Let's start with the beautiful sound of this bowl. Just enjoy the sound of this bowl. And just allow it to bring you fully in the present. So we'll start with a little gratitude practice. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute or two. And I want you to tune in to what you're thankful for. So think of what's good in your life, what's right in your life. The people, the circumstances, all the blessings in your life. And think of at least five such things that you're thankful for. think of five things, really feel the gratitude, feel thankful for these five blessings in your life. You can think of them more than once if you like. time mentally count five things you're grateful for when your mind wanders bring it back to what you're thankful for I'll take a slow deep breath. Excellent. Very nice. Very nice. So we began with a couple of minutes of gratitude, focusing on what we're thankful for. I was traveling from a town in India called Rishikesh to Delhi. And um, in the car with me were a few Japanese people. And in our conversation, they said something interesting. They said that in Japan, we believe 
if you say thank you a million times, the universe is transformed forever. So I found that a very, very unique thought, that if I say thank you a million times, the universe is transformed forever. How can that be? So I began thinking about what they just said. And it occurred to me that what they were talking about as the universe was different from what we normally think of the universe. Normally we think the universe is Earth and the Sun and the Moon and the planets and the solar system and the galaxy and the universe. But what they were referring to universe was this universe. So what I'm seeing is my universe. What I'm hearing is my universe. What I'm smelling and tasting and touching and even thinking, this is my experiential universe. Everything else is a conceptual universe. They used to say that Pluto is a planet. Then they said Pluto is not a planet. They changed their mind. <laughs> That's a conceptual universe. We don't know what is true, what is not true. But this is a very direct universe. Now what does it mean to say thank you a million times? If I say thank you to what I'm experiencing now, I come into alignment with it. In other words, what I want is also what life wants. So what, when I am wanting what life is wanting, there's harmony. When I am wanting something different from what life is giving me, then there is some disharmony there. Then there is some lack of alignment over there. So if you say thank you over and over again, what starts happening is that your mind, your heart starts to align with your reality. It starts to synchronize, like gears that fit together, like one of these expensive Swiss watches. The gears just fit together. Everything just works beautifully. It can work for a long time. Sometimes it doesn't even have a battery. It just works. Everything just fits beautifully. So if you notice the moods, uh, have you noticed that in the day we sometimes have moods? So sometimes you feel a little up, sometimes you feel a little down. Sometimes you feel energetic, sometimes you feel sluggish. Sometimes you feel interested, sometimes you feel bored. Does it happen? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, it happens, right? So now notice, why do we have moods? Now I had the interesting uh, opportunity as a Buddhist monk to live in what you would call laboratory conditions. Why? Because the place I lived in was the same. The people I lived with were the same. The timetable every day was almost the same. So almost every day was pretty much the same. And yet one day I felt very energetic, very alive, very connected. And some days I didn't feel so connected. Some days I really liked my companions. And some days I found myself judging my companions. And some days I liked myself. And some days I didn't like myself. So normally when we go through moods, the tendency is to think, oh, it's because of the traffic. It's because of the weather. It's because of something my kids aren't listening. It's because of something that's happening in my life. But could it be that that's not the real reason for moods? That moods come from believing our own thinking. So when we believe our resistant thoughts, I shouldn't be like this, you shouldn't be like this, the world shouldn't be like this, then we get into an unpleasant mood. And when we believe our thoughts, which is, I am the way I am, you are the way you are, the world is the way it is. I accept myself, I accept you, I accept the world. I see the best in myself, I see the potential in you, I see the potential in everybody. Then our mood changes right away. So if I say thank you over and over again, what happens is, I start getting into a, a pretty particular attitude. It's called the attitude of gratitude. The attitude of being connected. Connected to self, connected to other. And you'll notice when you connect with things, then they start revealing their secrets to you. There's a story of a botanist, I think a zoologist, a zoologist, one of the world's most highly regarded zoologists. And he was interviewed and they asked him, how come you're such a fantastic uh, zoologist? What's your secret? He said, actually, I owe it all to my teacher. As a young PhD student, I came to my teacher and I asked him to be my guide. And he said, 
first you have to do a little test. He says, all right, what is it? So he put, there was a dead fish on a plate. And he said, what is this? And being a smart student, he immediately identified the fish. He named it. He said, this is from, this is this fish. This is a scientific name. This subspecies that, that, that lives in this environment. And the teacher said, well, what else? What else? He just told him everything he knew. <laughs> he came up with maybe he, it eats this kind of food. What else? And he'd come to the end of his knowledge about that fish. He didn't know really much more about that fish. So the teacher said, okay, keep looking. And the teacher left. Said, no, what do I do? I just keep looking at the fish. So he kept looking. The teacher came back two hours later. So what do you see? He said, I've told you everything I see. So keep looking. And this went on for three days. For three days, he just made him look at the fish. <laughs> And he said that experience transformed his life. Because at the end of three days, because he's, for the first time he saw the fish with fresh eyes. Not just what he'd been taught, but what he was actually seeing. And he, you know, every species is different. Every animal, every creature has got something unique going on. So he discovered in that fish something unique about how its spinal column connects with its organs. How its uh, scales connect to its tail, whatever it is. He discovered something totally unique about that fish, which nobody had ever discovered before. And then the teacher took him on as a student. So he said what his teacher taught him was to see things with fresh eyes. To see things not the way we think they are, but to meet things afresh. So there is a, a lovely saying in Africa. This is how they greet each other in one of the countries in Africa. They say, please say with me, I see you. I see you. And the other person says, I am here. <laughs> if you saw the movie Avatar, that's the greeting they use, actually borrowed from this African tribe. So they say, I see you, and the other person says, I'm here. In other words, because you see me, I'm here. If you don't even see me, I feel like I'm not even here. <laughs> so one of the biggest gifts we have is the ability to see. How do we see things? Do we see things the way they are? Or do we see things the way we are? Most of the time we see things based on what we want and don't want. So if a husband and wife are walking down a mall, they will notice different things. Because the wife will notice household products, household goods, things that will be there for her children. The husband will notice professional products, laptops, smart suits, nice watch. They're walking down the same mall and they're noticing different things. Why? Because we don't see th things the way they are. We see things the way we are. And so actually, we are never really encountering life. We are encountering our thoughts about life. In fact, right now, if you look at it scientifically, the light is coming into my eyes, it, the lens turns it around, and then my brain again turns it around. <laughs> so actually, I'm not seeing any of you right now. There's some brain chemistry going on inside. And you're not hearing me right now. Right now, there's some vibration, some sound vibration, some pressure pulling and pulling, pulling and pushing of the sound, sound waves that's striking your eardrums, and you're making sense of it to whatever extent you can understand my accent. <laughs> and then you're translating it in your brain. So you're not really hearing me right now, you're hearing something in your brain right now. So from one perspective, you have never experienced the outer world. You only experience something happening inside of yourself. So then what is the world? The world is what is seen, what is heard, smelled, tasted, touched in this moment. So notice, we don't just see things, we immediately start adding to it. I like it, I don't like it. I want it, I don't want it. I want more of it, I want less of it. So this evaluation process starts happening very quickly. And this comes in the way of a very direct and complete experience of life. 
there was a man uh, in the Buddha's time and uh, he got very angry with the Buddha because his sons had all left their home and become monks. And he said, what is all of this? How can they just leave home and become monks? He was very upset. He was an old man. So he went up to the Buddha and he shouted at him and screamed at him and said, you're teaching false things and you're taking our youth away, putting them on the wrong path. And he abused him and he spat on him. In India, spitting on someone is one of the worst things you can do. And then he walked away from there. Now night time, this man couldn't sleep. Because even though he got upset, deep down, he was a good man. And he felt, even if I disagreed with him, I should not have spat on him. That was a bit too much. I went a bit too far. So the next day he decided to go again and to apologize. So he goes to the Buddha and says, I still don't agree with you, but I want to apologize. I went too far yesterday. I spat on you. Please <laughs> forgive me. And the Buddha said, there's nothing to forgive. He said, what do you mean there's nothing to forgive? The Buddha said, the man who came yesterday is not here today. A different man is here today. <laughs> And the words that were spoken yesterday are not here. Different words are here right now. And the spit that was there yesterday is not there right now. It's gone. There's nothing to forgive. So if you draw a line on rock, it lasts for years. If you draw a line on sand, it lasts for maybe hours or days. If you draw a line on water, it lasts for seconds. If you draw a line on space, there's actually no line. <laughs> So how, when the impressions happen, when sensory impressions happen, when I call you something, I say, you're so intelligent, you're so smart, you're so wonderful. Or I say, you're so stupid, so selfish, so uncaring. What kind of a line is a drawing inside of you? Is it a drawing a line on rock, a line on sand, a line on water, or a line on air? What is it like to encounter our life without residue? What is it like to just meet every experience just the way it is? Thank you. And it's complete. So this is what I learned when I was uh, living as a monk. The idea was to be like a broken bell. What's a broken bell? A normal bell, if you tap it, it has a reverberation. It has a sound that lasts for a while. But a broken bell, what will happen if it's a broken bell? Let's assume this is a broken bell. <laughs> there's no, <laughs> there's not much reverberation, you see. It just finishes, it came and it finished right there. It came and it finished right there. There's no reverberation. It's complete. Every experience is complete. So I found there are two things that are required for this. Number one, the ability to be fully present with our experience. When we are fully present with our experience, then each experience is what it is. There was a study done on Zen monks, and these Zen monks they sat in meditation, and they hooked up their brain. And on purpose, they introduced a loud, startling sound. And most people, when they hear a loud sound, they get very, you know, flustered, what happened, what's going on, is everything all right? And their mind starts racing. With these monks, when the sound happened, they got stimulated, and right away their mind came back to the same state and continued. It didn't create a lasting reverberation. So they had trained their brain to be present with each experience, both pleasant and unpleasant, just taking it exactly for what it is. So one of the things that, one of the ways that's going to help us is the learning the art of being present. I'm going to be sharing with you some skills on how to do that. And the second important practice is, how do you describe your experience? What is the story that you tell? There's a very uh, inspiring lady. Her name is Alice Somers. And Alice Somers lived to 112. She recently passed away. She's famous around the world for being the oldest Holocaust survivor. 
212. And also the oldest uh, co performing concert pianist. There was recently a documentary made on her called Lady in Number Six. Have any of you seen this? Oh. Lady in Number Six. It won the Oscar for the best documentary. Yeah, it's worth watching. And Alice Somers went through the concentration camps, but she kept her mind in a positive state. She kept her mind in a balanced, balanced state. And her child, who her son who was with her, she and her, so her son both survived the concentration camps. Not just that, her attitude was so good that the guards themselves would come to her to seek, seek, uh, seek support. Can you believe it? These guards coming to a prisoner, because they could see there's something in her that was so bright. So this is a documentary about her, and she shared this documentary, an incident which happened when she was a kid. Her father owned a small factory, and, and it was afternoon siesta time, and the factory caught fire. There was something that happened in the factory caught fire. Somebody shouted, he woke up, he ran inside the factory, burning building. He knew what had happened, there was a gas leak that had happened. He went inside, he put out the gas leak, and he came out. By the time he came out, he was half burnt. But he survived, right, and they had to give him take emergency medical care. He survived, he was pretty badly burnt. Every Christmas, he would tell the story of what happened. The whole family would gather, he would tell the story of what happened. Now, Alice Somat had a twin sister. And the twin sister, whenever she heard the story, would cringe. Oh my God, my father almost died. But Alice would always, when she heard the story, feel so proud, my father is so brave. He went into a building with fire. And he saved the building, and he was so brave. You see, the same incident, they saw it in a different way. Another example of this, a very successful man was interviewed and they asked him, Sir, how come you're so successful? He said, actually, it's a personal thing. When I was a kid, my father used to drink a lot. And when he would get drunk, he'd get very violent. And he'd beat my mother and he'd even beat us, me and my brother. And I decided then, I will never be like my father. And that is the reason for my success. They said, really? That's a very, very inspiring story. You said you have a brother, can I meet your brother? He says, sure, this is his address. So he goes to meet the brother, the interviewer goes to meet the brother, and he finds the brother is living in a small, run-down apartment, and the brother is an alcoholic. And he says, what happened to you? He says, listen, my father was an alcoholic, he used to beat us every day, what do you expect? The same situation, one took it to become very successful, and one took it to just repeat the same pattern. Now this is called, please say with me, the stories, the stories, the stories. That, we tell. that we tell. So the quality of our life now comes down to these two <coughs> things. The quality of our life is number one, the quality of our presence. So right now, how present are you? Are you only physically here? Or are you also emotionally here? Or are you also mentally here? If you're only partly here, then this is a partial experience of your life. But if you're fully here, then this is a complete experience of your life. How complete is each experience of our life? The more complete it is, the more peaceful, joyful, and without residue it is. There's no lingering sense of or should have or could have or would have. It's complete. When it's complete, there's nothing missing. The first aspect is how present we are. The second aspect is how are we describing our life. So are we telling a poor quality story, a medium quality story, or a very high quality story? The quality of our life is the quality of our presence and the quality of the stories that we tell. So in today's session, I want to share with you a few skills for both of these aspects of our life. One is how to be more present, and the second is how to tell higher quality stories. Is that a good uh, agenda for the evening? And then we'll also have some time for any questions you want to ask or you want to share something. Is that all right? Yeah? yeah. Good. So let's start with presence, all right? So to begin with, I want you to let your eyes wander around the room. 
and just notice what you're seeing in the room. All right. Notice all the different things. Whatever you see, spend at least two or two seconds with it. And then go to the next thing and spend two to three seconds with it. And really see it. Whatever you're seeing, give it your full attention. Don't go into thinking. Where did this come from? What does it mean? Just see it. Now also notice the space in this room. Let me ask you a question. Would you agree that the objects in this room can be moved around? You can change the formulation of where things are kept. You can even change the color. If you really want, you can even re redesign the walls and do a lot of changes in the house. But would you agree that the space in this room was there even before this whole house was made? <laughs> it's there now. Different families can come and live here. The space is still there. And even after, let's say, 200 years from now, when this house may no, lo no longer be here, the space will still be there. There's something in this room that is quite timeless. So right here, there's something that can be moved and changed, and something that is quite immovable, unchanging. And it's right here. It's available to us. In the same way, within us, there are different experiences. So just try this now for the next minute. Like you were tuning outwards, not tune inwards. Eyes can either be open or closed. I want you to tell me your inner experience. So what are some of the important things that happen inside of you? Close your eyes or open your eyes, doesn't matter. And now tune inwards and become attentive to inner experience. and also become attentive to inner space, the space within which there are all these inner experiences. Take a nice deep breath. And open your eyes. 
tell me what you noticed in your inner experiences. What are some of the things that came up for you? What is what is part of our inner experience? Anyone? The breathing. The breathing is one part. Very good. Yeah. What else? I was initially blank, hmm. and then there were some thoughts which were wandering. Some thoughts which came. Right. And then uh, I could feel uh, some part of my body. You could feel some parts of the body. So we've had breath, we've had some thoughts, we've also had some feelings in the body. Yeah. Okay. What else? Did we notice? The same thing. I can Similar things. Yeah. You notice some thoughts. Yeah. Right? What else? Can I hear that noise? The sound, yes, yeah, you could hear the sound outside, yeah. Right, very nice. Startling, startling, but it's fine. There's notice arising and passing. You see, the sound finished as soon as it arose. But then after that, our mind starts spinning. Oh my goodness, sound, sound, sound. You see, then that's the reverberation. But can it finish right there on the spot? Like the Zen master. Loud sound, and right there. We actually planned that purposely for you. <laughs> what else did we notice? Uh, things uh, like thoughts, thoughts and yeah. breathing and breathing yes yeah. inner experience yes. inner experience so um, I'm going to give you three important aspects of our inner experience please say with me images 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 words words, words. Feelings. feelings feelings right and of course there are other things like we may have uh, uh, we may have we, we, may, we may think of okay, the smells and the tastes that's less. Smells and tastes are not as big as these three that are there almost all the time. <laughs> so images in the mind, words in the mind, and feelings. And I would also count breath as a kind of a feeling. It's a kind of a physical sensation that you can feel, right? Now tell me something. If I take away your mental images, if I take away your inner conversation, and if I take away the tight feeling, the heavy feeling, is it possible for you to be stressed? No. Can you be stressed without these three things? No. Right? Can you see that? So in order to be stressed, you have to have some kind of mental image. Something had happened, something did not happen, something should have happened, something should be happening. You're comparing your present reality to some mental image. This is one. Some mental conversation. I should not have said that, they should not have said that, or they should have said that, they didn't say that, or they should be saying that, I should be saying that, what will happen? Conversation, mental conversation, some comparison, some judgment, some preference. And the feeling, something tight, something heavy, something unpleasant. If you take away those three things, you can't be stressed. So, what we're really learning is to become present to a how hypnotized we normally are. The definition of hypnosis is very nice. Please say with me. Hypnosis, hypnosis. is defined as, defined. Defined as suggestion, suggestion. accepted. Exactly. So if I give you a suggestion that uh, you're actually a very capable person and you accept the suggestion, then you're hypnotized. <laughs> and if I, give you, if I give you a suggestion that you are actually uh, very bad at uh, cooking food, whatever you make tastes very bad. And if you accept the suggestion, then you're hypnotized. So anytime anyone says something to you and you believe it, you're actually hypnotized. But you know what's interesting? Anytime you say something to yourself and you believe it, you are actually hypnotized. Hypnosis is suggestion accepted. So someone who believes all their suggestions is called insane, is called mentally ill. A mentally ill person 
believes all their inner suggestions. Any thought comes, they believe it. You'll find the mentally ill person has very fluctuating moods. And like we said, what are moods? Moods are believing your thoughts. When you believe your thoughts, you get into a mood. It's a lovely day. It's not a lovely day. People love me. Nobody loves me. I have more than enough. I'm going to lose everything I have. Each of these thoughts will change your mood. And they change your mood because you believe the thought. When you're watching a movie, you only have a mood as long as you forget it's a movie. The moment you know it's a movie, no mood comes. Your mind is quite balanced. This inner movie is always playing. So the first state is one of hypnosis. The second state is, please say with me, rehypnosis. So if you want to watch a movie, might as well watch a good movie. <laughs> so if you're going to think a thought, so instead of thinking I'm a really bad cook, why not think every day in every way I get better and better. I'm learning from the best. And uh, every feedback makes me stronger, makes me better. And you start thinking of yourself as a really exceptional cook. That every, the world's best cooks began by making some big mistakes. And they learnt and they became the world's best cooks. You change your thinking process around that. Right? So if you have to think a thought, why not think the best thought? So instead of thinking, I have a very difficult life, why not think, I have a very blessed life? Instead of seeing the worst in people, why not see the best in people? So wherever you go, I'll give you one of the best thoughts that I've come across. It's very simple. Please say with me. I am, I am enough. 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 Now would you agree that all advertising is telling us what? I'm not enough. I'm not enough. <laughs> the whole purpose of advertising is telling you, if you just have this one thing, then you will be enough. <laughs> right now you're not enough. Right? That's the purpose of advertising. To make you feel a bit of lack. Somebody else looks better than you, has more than you, looks smarter than you. And if you only have this one product. So the, one of the most powerful thoughts you can have, say with me again, I am, I am enough. enough. <laughs> so the first is from a low quality hypnosis to a high quality hypnosis. So from hypnosis <laughs> to rehypnosis. And then we go from rehypnosis to say with me, dehypnosis. De now dehypnosis is realizing a thought is just a thought. Like the weather keeps changing, I don't have to believe it. Like the movie keeps changing, I don't have to believe it. So uh, the example uh, we gave earlier of uh, images, words and feelings. Right? If I have low quality images, words and feelings, I have a low quality life experience. High quality images, words and feelings, high quality life experience. And don't believe any of them and I'm quite free. Someone who believes all their thoughts is called insane. Someone who believes some of their thoughts is called normal. <laughs> they're not that normal but they're called normal. <laughs> someone who believes very few thoughts is called wise. And someone who does not believe a single thought is called awake. The whole purpose of Eastern spirituality and wisdom tradition, East or West doesn't matter, is to wake up. In fact, Aristotle said this in the West. His definition of education is very nice. Please say with me. Education, education is the ability, is the ability to, have a thought to have a thought and not believe it. And not believe it. What an amazing definition of education. To have all kinds of thoughts but not believe them. Every time you believe a thought, you now become hypnotized. And like any glasses you put on, you put on red glasses, what happens to the world? Looks red. It becomes a red world. So it's funny that if you're born Christian, you look at the world through Christian lens. If you're born Buddhist, you look at the world through Buddhist lens. If you're born Hindu, you look at the world through Hindu lens. And then the world will match your perception. So I prayed to God and the miracle happened. Hmm? Or I put in effort and the change happened. So whatever belief system you have, you prove your own belief system. 
right? So let's play with this first thought, the one we just mentioned. Say with me one more time. I am, I am enough. enough. And I want you for two minutes to very slowly repeat this thought again and again and notice what happens inside of you as you repeat it. So let's start. And leave every other thought aside except this one thought. Now leave the thought, just stay with yourself. You can all take a slow deep breath. And say with me, how wonderful. Very nice. You can open your eyes. Now tell me what did you notice as you stayed with this thought for two or three minutes? I am enough. What did you notice? Space Spaciousness, yeah, yes. beautiful. Being more settled. Lovely. Anyone else? <coughs> peace. A sense of peace. Yeah. Very nice. Feeling of a total enough. Total enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Very good. Very good. Yeah. I feel a lot of confidence. 
confidence feeling confident yes, did you also feel stronger inside yourself yeah. yeah feeling stronger more confident right that how did you feel yeah i was also feeling of intent and bit of emptiness that is nothing inside spaciousness emptiness contentment quiet quietness quiet quietude yeah. how about you um yeah, i was very content and yeah. at peace feeling more at peace yeah mm-hmm. uh, good where you are like feeling good when i am right now beautiful how about you contented oh wow. <laughs> 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 were you not restless <laughs> 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 enough as a synonym That's another good one. Complete is another. You could so you could use any of those. I am complete. I am full. I am fulfilled. Here's a nice example. Imagine I have a cake in my hand. And imagine I have one such cake for every moment of my life. Now this cake has two pieces. It can be cut in a way that it has two pieces. Would you agree that Okay, I'm going to first of all name the two pieces. One piece is called, say with me, contentment. Contentment. And one piece is called discontentment. Discontentment. So we are saying that every moment of your life has a cake, and it has these two pieces of contentment and discontentment. So let me ask you: in the happy moments of your life, which part of the cake is bigger, contentment or discontentment? Contentment. And in the unhappy moments of your life, which part of the cake is big, bigger, contentment or discontentment? Discontentment. It's quite clear. But here's the interesting question. who's cutting the cake <laughs> there's no divine being there's no other p- power that comes and cuts the cake we ourselves cut the cake in the same situation the house burns down and one person is so sad and the other person is nobody got hurt i'm so happy i'm so blessed nobody in my family got hurt we can always get another house you see the same situation house burned down and two different responses because we are the one who's cutting the cake nobody else cuts the cake Alice Somers went to the concentration camps and she kept a happy mind despite that even though outer circumstances were so difficult even if you see a documentary she's over 100 years old and she's always laughing throughout the documentary she's smiling and <coughs> laughing and she's saying in my building nobody laughs here they're always sad <laughs> and i'm always laughing <laughs> she's always smiling so now we are cutting the cake So when we say I am enough actually in that moment you didn't cut the cake in that moment you put the knife aside and the cake is complete like you said completeness it's a moment of completeness So this moment like for example there is a tree there's a small tree and there's a big tree The big tree is giving a lot of fruits the small tree is just a small tree it's still growing But can you call the small tree incomplete It's just it's just it's complete for where it is and the big tree is complete for where it is and the seed is complete for where it is everything is complete for where it is comparison is an imaginary imaginary thing one of the most destructive things we do is to compare children it's like trying to compare two different flowers it's going to be so arbitrary each flower has its own quality you'll say oh this is bigger this is smaller yeah but this has got a beautiful smell oh this is this color this is this color Oh, but this one opens at night. You see, everything has got its own quality. Oh, this one opens in the water. Oh, this one blooms only once in ten years. It's so it's so rare. It's so special. So, what if we learn to see things just the way they are, and see the goodness, see the beauty in everyone and everything? This is actually a skill that we develop: the propensity to see what's right 
and complete and enough in every situation. So if you will develop the skill, you'll think of it? Yeah, I wanted to ask a question. Yeah, of course. Uh, which is, uh, so this is something that that most of us know and realize, but this is something that we forget every five minutes. True. Yeah. And so what is that practice which takes you from, and every person can be on a scale of 0% to 100%. Some people will be at 90% positive, some people at 50, some people at 10. But how do you constantly increase your percentage? Because I don't think it can happen like this. Yeah. So what's that? Well, the first thing uh, I would say is to make it a priority. <coughs> right? Like you say, if you make it a priority to have a loving, accepting, and fun family life. Doesn't mean you will always have a loving, accepting, and fun family life, but that's a priority. So since that's a priority, you would put effort in that direction. You will make time for the family. You will have deep conversation, you will listen more, you will read books that help you do that, you will go to fun places together. Because you made it a priority. The question is, what is our priority? So what I found was that as a young person, I tried many different things, I learned many different things. I learned playing a musical instrument and I gave up. I learned painting and after a while I dropped that. I learned martial arts and after a while I dropped that. I learned many things and I dropped it. But when I came across these teachings, a part of me said, don't drop this. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay with you've dropped many things in your life. Don't drop this one thing. It's got a very, very deep benefit. And because I made that commitment, what happened was I began meeting such people. I began reading such books. I began going for such kind of uh, experiences. I began developing in that direction. The first thing I would say is make it a priority. The, the reason we have gatherings like this is to remind us, or for some people introduce us, some people have never thought in this direction, so even to introduce us, but most of us have some inkling of this. So to remind us and refresh the best of what we already know. And then we make that a priority. This is a priority. The priority is to be more present. And the priority is to have higher quality perceptions about myself, about others and about the world. So being present, being fully here, and then upgrading your software, your inner software, again and again and again. Keep it really updated. Keep it in line with truth, just the way things are. But also today, let's complete a few more things. I want to share with you some practices. And those practices become the, the engine to help us do this. So now we're going to learn a simple meditation technique. It's got these four parts. Please say with me. Breath. Breath. <coughs> feelings. Feelings. Silence. Silence. Loving wishes. Loving wishes. So what we're going to do is we'll spend the first few minutes just being aware of our natural breath. Because the breath is always here. Like you said, when you became quiet, you immediately felt the breath. So witness the breath. Even that you'll notice, you begin witnessing, some thought comes, you bring it back. You begin witnessing, some thought comes, you bring it back. So practice coming back to the simplicity of your breath, number one. Number two, I'll guide you through your body. Notice what you're feeling throughout the body. Number three, I'll just say now be quiet. And quiet does not mean that there are no thoughts. There may be thoughts. Like the space in this room is not affected by the furniture in this room. It is still there. You can move the furniture around, people can walk through it. But the space is still here. So notice that basic silent background within which your life happens. And the last thing we'll do is we'll send loving wishes and I'll guide you through that. All right, so ready? So sit comfortably. Keep a nice straight back. And close your eyes. <coughs> we'll begin by taking three deep breaths. 
third is deepest. And now settle down. For the rest of this practice, sounds will not disturb you. Every sound is welcome. Every sound brings you back into the present. Welcome all sounds. And now become aware of the breath and the flow of the breath. So feel the breath as it moves in, as it moves out. Let this become the most important thing for you right now. All other thoughts, all other plans will be dealt with later on. Stay with the breath. And breathe quite normally, quite effortlessly. Feel the breath from beginning to end without any interruption. Now I will mention some parts of the body. You bring your awareness to that part of the body. And notice what you're feeling in that part of the body. So bring your awareness to your toes, all the ten toes. And just notice what you're feeling right now in the ten toes. Any kind of feeling, any kind of physical sensation. And this is not really about imagining the toes. Put the imagination aside and just feel what you're feeling there right now. And now come to the soles of both the feet. Come to the skin covering both the feet. Move your awareness to the ankles of both the feet. Notice what you're feeling in the ankles right now. And now slowly move up from the ankles. And slowly move up all the way to your knees. Notice what you're feeling in the lower legs.
Move your awareness to your knees. And from the knees, slowly move up. All the way up the thighs. Notice what you're feeling on both the thighs. Whatever you feel is fine. Even if you don't feel something, that's fine. Just notice. And slowly moving up all the way up the thighs. Up to the hips. And notice what you're feeling on the hips and the abdomen and the lower parts of the body. slowly move up the lower back and the middle back just notice what you're feeling in the upper back area and bring your awareness down to the abdomen the front part of the body and slowly moving up to the lower belly and the middle belly Now the whole belly. And slowly move your awareness up to your chest. Notice what you're feeling throughout the chest. bring your awareness to all the fingertips slowly move the awareness up from the fingertips moving up to cover all the fingers notice what you're feeling here Come to the palms of both your hand. Come to the back of your hand. And move up from your wrist your elbows. Notice what you're feeling in the lower arms.
And from the elbows all the way up to the shoulders, notice what you're feeling in the upper arms. And now the whole throat and neck. And now the whole face. Notice what you're feeling throughout the face. the whole head and now just be quiet for a bit get in touch with inner silence inner space a silence so complete even thoughts don't affect it as I count backwards from 10 to 0 Go deep inside yourself, really deep, and just rest over there. Allow yourself to go deep inside yourself, being very alert, <coughs> at the same time very quiet. Ten, go deeper. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five deeper and deeper four three two one and just be quiet here zero
last part of this practice is loving intentions. I will mention different things. Give your loving intention to that aspect of your life. Starting with yourself. Just radiate loving wishes to yourself. Wishing yourself happiness. All we have to do is think of ourselves and wish ourselves happiness. True peace, true happiness. Radiate loving wishes to everyone in this room. And radiate loving wishes to everyone in this country. Wishing them happiness. And radiate loving wishes to everyone in the whole world. May all beings be happy. May all beings be well. Now we will all take three deep breaths, slow deep breaths. First deep breath. Second with an even deeper breath. And third with an extra deep breath. And if you like, you can rub your hands, make them nice and warm. Nice and warm, nice and warm, nice Put them over your eyes. Over your face. And let's say together, how wonderful. How, how wonderful. wonderful. So we did a short meditation. It had four parts. Breath, feelings, and silence, and loving wishes. And we took a journey within ourselves. Uh, how are we doing? How are we all doing? Good. Yeah. Excellent. Relaxed. Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. Feeling excellent. excellent. 
feeling more connected. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, feeling better. Yeah, more content. So meditation is meeting ourselves. <coughs> and in meditation, you're developing two qualities. Please say with me. Attention. Attention. Intention. Intention. Attention is the ability to pay attention. So paying attention both to outer experience and also to inner experience. Outer we do anyway, but learn to also look back to the source. So in meditation, we bring our attention that normally goes out in a hundred directions and we bring it back to ourselves. So five places, uh, there are many places. These are the five places the Buddha recommends to bring our attention, of which we just did a few. So say with me, body. 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 Feelings. Feelings. Perceptions. Perceptions. Intentions. Intentions. Consciousness. Consciousness. So body, of course, is a physical body, which includes the breath, includes uh, the organs in the body, and the heaviness, the lightness, the physical body. <coughs> so to pay attention to body would mean to pay attention to, first of all, the posture of your body. In your life, you're either sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. Everything else is a story. <laughs> That's all that the body is doing. It's in these basic postures or in between postures. So body is up to these postures. You stay in any one posture for too long, you get uncomfortable. You sit for too long, it's uncomfortable. You stand for too long, it's uncomfortable. Even if you lie down for too long, it's uncomfortable. So body has to keep on moving, changing, changing, moving, changing. That's the nature of the body. Right? In some cases, it has to change a lot more. <laughs> right? So there's body. And we can become attentive to the body. Now the main shift here is, now remember we said hypnosis, rehypnosis, dehypnosis. So hypnosis is, I'm not tall enough. I'm not muscular enough. I'm not beautiful enough. My eyes aren't the right color. My hair aren't the right color. My paunch is out too much. Or whatever it is. Low quality thoughts about the body. I get sick very easily. I'm accident prone. Very low quality thoughts. So why not have higher quality thoughts? So high quality thoughts is, I am enough. Right? I love and accept my body. It's an amazing body. It's got, no matter what mistakes I made in my diet or everything, my body recovers so well. It's so intelligent. My body has trillions of cells and they're all talking to each other. They're taking care of themselves. In fact, there is no machine in this world as sophisticated as this body. In fact, remember that uh, on the way you were showing me, you were showing me some Tesla cars, which are some of the expensive and very nice cars nowadays. So, uh, in the same way, if you were to buy a really expensive car and you had the option of putting, of course, Tesla takes electric fuel. But if I give you a, f a car which you can put high quality fuel or low quality fuel, you have a very expensive car. What would you put? High quality. But no matter what, you put the high quality fuel, but it's an expensive car. Now, um, cars will be however expensive, maybe millions of dollars expensive. But this body, can you put a price on it? If I say I want to buy your right hand, how much will you sell it for? $100,000? A million? How about five million? Will you send your right hand? No price you will sell it for. So this body is a priceless body. You can't even put a price. You can't even say million. You can't even say billion. If I say give me your right eye, no, you don't want to give your right eye. You don't want to give it. No matter what price, it's not for sale. Sorry. But certain things are not for sale. So take care of the body. A high quality thought is this body is priceless. So why would I put junk in it? So I'm going to keep it healthy. So I'll take good care of my body, give it good quality nutrition, give it good quality rest, give it good quality water, give it good quality experiences. Like this, taking good quality care of our body. So you go from hypnosis, which is judging your body, 
to rehypnosis, which is honoring and respecting the body. And find your dehypnosis, which is, say with me, there is a body. There is a body. But I am not this body. I am not this body. Now what this means is, if you were the body, then the body would listen to you. Then I would say, okay, uh, I'm bored of black hair. Let's have blonde hair. But it doesn't happen. Unless I go to a salon or something, it doesn't happen. Because it doesn't follow my instruction. Or if someone is bald, it's okay, want hair. doesn't happen. Or someone is tired of being a man, I've been a man for too many years, let's become a woman. doesn't happen. Unless you go for a surgery, it doesn't really happen. Right? So you cannot just will your body into anything. So the body doesn't really listen to all our commands. So there is a body, but we are not this body. And the biggest thing that we can't control in this body is the time of death. We can't control it. Any time, death can come. Right? So if the body there is birth, there is old age, there is sickness and there is death. And that is the nature of the body. Now you may argue with that, but that is the reality of things. So just like a car, you take good care of your car, but you don't think that you are the car. So there is a body, but I am not the body. This is the first realization when you meditate. The second one, say with me, there are feelings. There, there are feelings. feelings. But I am not these feelings. I am not these feelings. So in your life, you will have different kinds of feelings. Pleasant, unpleasant. Wanted, unwanted. But they keep changing. If you define yourself as a feeling, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant doesn't matter. You say, I'm depressed. That's a lie because no one is depressed all the time. Even a depressed person has moments when they're not depressed. No one is depressed 100% of the time. Can't be. It's impossible. No one is angry 100% of the time. No one is even joyful 100% of the time. Not possible. You can't even be positive all the time. Not possible. All the seasons will come and go. So there are feelings, but I am not these feelings. There are perceptions. Another word for perception, simpler word is memories. But I am not these memories. There are memories, but I am not these memories. Memories also keep changing. In fact, scientists tell us every time you access a memory, it changes it. Interesting thought. That thought, Memories aren't as stable as we think. Every time we access a memory, we emphasize something, we downplay something. But memory changes. Intentions, my plans, my expectations, my wants in life. I have these plans, but I am not these plans. Somehow these plans have come based on my culture, based on my upbringing, based on my life conditions. Somehow these ideas have come, this is what I should do or shouldn't do. But I am not these plans and intentions. There are plans and intentions, but I am not these plans and intentions. But this is where it gets really interesting. Please say this with me. There is consciousness. There is consciousness. But I am not this consciousness. But I am not this consciousness. Consciousness is that which is seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. It knows that something is going on. Right? There is this consciousness, it's undeniable. But I am not this consciousness. This consciousness does what it has to do. Now in this way, we are putting down five heavy suitcases, which we normally take to be self. And this is a profound way of dehypnotizing ourselves. And this is called being awake. Like we talked about earlier, a person who believes all their thoughts is totally dreaming, is totally insane, totally mentally imbalanced. In fact, there's a nice definition of mind, which I use a lot nowadays. Please say with me, M-I-N-D. M-I-N-D. Mostly inaccurate. Mostly inaccurate. Neurodrama. Neurodrama. <laughs> I like that a lot. So our mind is mostly inaccurate neurodrama. If you're always listening to your mind, your life will be very turbulent. Up and down, up and down. So the reason we meditate is to go from conscious mind to subconscious mind to superconscious mind. Say with me, conscious mind. Conscious mind. Thinks. Thinks. Subconscious mind, subconscious mind feels, feels. Superconscious mind, 
just knows. So the surface mind is always thinking, thinking, thinking. The deeper mind is feeling. So for example, when I took you through your body, feel this, feel this, feel this. Could you feel a little bit? Could you feel a little bit? Yes or no? At least a little bit? Yeah. How about you? Could you feel something? Right? We could feel. But do we normally feel that? No. Normally our mind is extroverted. So this we will call subconscious. And every advertiser knows. You know why they spend so much on advertising? Because purchasing decisions are not rational decisions. Purchasing decisions are emotional decisions. No matter how rational you think you are. So the reason they show you advertisements is to evoke a certain feeling. Because your decisions will be made based on that feeling. So you know what? If I meet you a year from now, you will not remember what was said over here. But you are likely to remember how you felt over here. So if you felt peaceful, you'll remember that. If you felt distracted or disturbed or bored, you'll remember that. So we don't remember what people say, we remember how they make us feel. Because feeling is our subconscious mind. And our deeper decisions in life are always led by this feeling. It feels right, it doesn't feel right. I like it, I don't like it. I want it, I don't want it. It comes from a certain feeling state. So conscious mind thinks, but that thinking is totally based on feeling. You'll convince yourself how ice cream is good for you because you feel like having an ice cream. It's been too long, right? You'll convince yourself because that's the feeling state. The feeling drives the mind very often. But behind that also is simply knowing, that which is simply witnessing. So we're simply witnessing the body, the feeling, the thoughts and memories. Simply witnessing, watching, watching. But here it's a, where it gets really interesting. This is where meditation really gets beautiful. Say it with me. Conscious mind. Conscious mind. Subconscious mind. Subconscious mind. Superconscious mind. Superconscious mind. Never mind. <laughs> so the real purpose of meditation is never mind. Which means, let the flow continue. You know, uh, do you know what a glacier is? You all know what a glacier is? Glacier is where the river begins from. So it's the ice which slowly, slowly melts, and that becomes a river. This is a glacier. Now, when a big piece of the glacier breaks off, it moves very, very slowly. In fact, that glacier, when it moves, it cuts rock. It, entire valleys are made, entire landscapes are cut by this moving ice. That's how powerful glaciers are. A big piece of glacier, glacial rock breaks off, and slowly, slowly it's moving. Little by little it melts, it starts to move a little faster. Little by little it melts, it moves faster. Faster and faster. Now imagine it is the size of this ball. There's a piece of ice the size of this ball. And it's moving along in the river. And little by little, what will happen? It's smaller and smaller and smaller. And at one point, what will happen? It will become part of the river. Now we say it will become part of the river. It will become water. It is river. But actually, it was always river. It is, it is river. Can you see that? Yeah. So we have a habit of saying that I, I have... A, in my life, or I am having this experience, or this is happening in my life, but this is actually our illusion. Because there is no this having that. There is no this experiencing that. There is only that. <laughs> we say ice and water, but there is no ice and water. Ice actually is water. <laughs> so the purpose of meditation is realizing that this, this idea of me and you, subject-object, is actually an illusion. There is no such thing. Life just is the way it is. Things just are the way they are. The more we get in touch with this, all the hassles, all the problems, all the complexity we build in our life starts to vanish. Because the root complexity, the root, the basic root of the misunderstanding, that gets healed. And everything falls in place. The whole world is blurry. 
you put the right glasses on, the world is crisp again. Right? Because you had a basic, there was a basic misunderstanding, there was a basic something missing, the whole world was blurry. You get take care of this, everything falls in place. So the purpose we spend time with ourselves and connect with ourselves is to start getting in touch with the space like, like the space in this room is unaffected by what happens in this room. It doesn't agree with what I say, it doesn't disagree with what I say, it doesn't like or dislike, it just is. So there is a part of us also which just is. I am enough. I am always complete. And there's a beautiful mantra in India. It's one of the most important mantras, shlokas. I'm going to just say it and I'm going to translate it. Om Purnamada Purnamadam Purnat Purnamadachati Purnasa Purnamadaya Purnameva Vishishati. This comes from the Vedic tradition. And what it means is, one of the translations, this is complete. Say it with me. This is complete. This, this is complete. That is complete. That is complete. From complete, from complete comes complete. Comes complete. When you take out completeness, when you take out completeness from completeness, from completeness, what remains, what remains is also complete. <laughs> so this is whole. That is whole. The whole comes from the whole. When you take out wholeness from wholeness, what remains is also wholeness. This is perfect, that is perfect. From perfect comes perfect. When you take out perfect from perfect, what remains is also perfect. So one simple analogy of a mother. The mother is whole. And she gets pregnant and there's another hole. <laughs> and from this hole comes out another hole. And by this coming out, she's not become less now. She is whole and that is also whole. So from wholeness comes more wholeness. So when we start getting in touch with the sense of, I am enough, something <coughs> remarkable happens. Everything in our life starts to fall in place. Everything gets very, very crisp, focused, exactly the way it should be. And our hesitations, fluctuations, confusions start to fall away. Now, for example, if you take a seed and you sow it, and you start watering it, what will happen in a day or two? What will happen? Growing. It'll germinate. Now, what, what does it mean germinate? What's going to actually happen is it's going to break. What happens is the seed breaks. Now, from one perspective, that's a terrible thing. That poor little seed broke. It's broken up. It's split. It's like a crisis. But from another perspective, it's beautiful. Because that breaking up is going to lead to something new. Uh, egg is hatching. Now, from one perspective, it's terrible. It's breaking. It's breaking. What's happening? But that breaking is leading to a new life that's coming out of it. A mother is pregnant and she's in tremendous pain and blood is coming out. And oh my goodness, what's happening? But from another perspective, it's a beautiful thing that's happening. It is leading to a new birth. So what we think of as a bad thing happening in our life, from one perspective, from a broader perspective, it is not a bad thing happening. It is not happening <coughs> to you, it's happening for you. It's to make you, not to break you. Like children, like we all as children, our teeth came out. What age would they come out? Has it come out for you already? Yeah. What age were you in? Twelve. You were twelve, right? So was it a big crisis at the beginning? What's happening? Oh my goodness. Then what did, what did people tell you? Tooth fairy will come. Tooth fairy? <laughs> <laughs> well, how did they reassure you? Uh, what did they say to you? Your milk tooth is gone. You're going to have a permanent You're going to have permanent teeth coming out, right? But suppose there was no one around you to tell you that. Right? Suppose you were growing up in a, in a quiet in a jungle area and your tooth began coming out. Would you be so peaceful? 
Every, oh my God, what's happening? Every, every few months a new tooth is coming out. What's going to happen? You get so afraid because no one told you that a new set of teeth are going to come out. But once someone tells you, you get reassured, oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. In the same way, what we think of as crisis in our life is actually not crisis. It's the birthing of a greater, broader reality. And this confidence starts to come inside of us. We start understanding that, that from that so-called breaking is a new transformation that's happening. It's not really, it's not actually a breaking, it's a transformation. It's a state change that's happening. It's not a bad thing. So like this, we're able to welcome everything that happens in our life. And we shift from resisting life, which is suffering, to welcoming life, which is bliss and happiness. So today we learned some simple uh, practices of meditation. So we learned, for example, to notice the space in the room, notice the inner space. We also noticed to try these four steps of the breath and the feelings and just come to a simplicity of quietness and then also to radiate loving wishes. So we learned two skills there, attention, which is being present, and intention, which is a high quality thought. So if you have to think, why not think high quality thoughts? If you have to think about this evening, why not think it's going to be a fantastic evening? It's going to be a joyful evening? It's going to be a special evening? It's going to be the best evening of my life? If you have to think, you might as well think like that. Instead of thinking, thinking just another evening. Just another boring group of people. <laughs> if I think like that, it'll be just another boring session. But if I think this is the most important moment of my life, because I have waited my whole life to sit here right now. And you have waited your whole life, like it or not, to sit wherever you are, you are right now. And I have waited my whole life to say this right now, and you have waited your whole life to listen to this right now. Then it's a different feeling, it's a feeling of completeness. Right. So learn these two skills, attention and intention. Learn to be present. Of course, the mind wanders again and again. But make it a priority that let me make being present my priority. So throughout the day, keep coming back. What am I seeing? What am I feeling? What am I knowing? Seeing, feeling, knowing. These are three good places to start. Seeing means all sensory experiences. This gets you into the present. Feeling means subconscious mind, what are you feeling right now? Could be pleasant, could be unpleasant, doesn't matter. Notice it. And simply knowing, there's something that is simply watching all of this, coming and going. Become aware of that as well. So you've touched the level of mind, the conscious, subconscious, superconscious mind, and now you start to never mind. Never mind means you don't get so stuck, you don't get so hung up. So say with me, I am the sky. I am the sky. Everything else, Everything else is weather. Is weather. <coughs> so do you agree the, the weather keeps changing? Yeah. But notice the sky. Do you see a scar from yesterday's storm or yesterday's cloud or yesterday's plane or yesterday's bird? Is there a scar in the sky? Oh, yesterday the bird went over there. <laughs> no. There's no, there's no scar. The sky is just the sky. So can we get in touch with the sky-like nature within us? Which no matter what ups and downs come, it just is. And this is called happiness for no reason. Until now we've had happiness for a reason. When the pleasant things happen, when the unpleasant things don't happen, this is happiness. But we know deep down it is an unstable happiness. Because who knows, anything can happen. Tomorrow the bank system can collapse. Tomorrow the health, our health can change. Uh, tomorrow anything can happen. There's no guarantee. We, every day we read in the paper all kinds of things can happen. And we know a part of us, what if it happens to me? And there's no guarantee. But there is one guarantee that this basic state, the space-like essence, this doesn't change. Similar, similarly, there is something in us that is completely stable, completely calm, 
and we are all looking for that without realizing we already have it i read a lovely story this morning about a man an old man who was very very poor and he and all he had the only belonging he had was a lumpy old bed and every day he would not be able to sleep because he'd keep on thinking i've got no money how will i take care of myself i don't have enough to feed myself it's so life is so difficult every day he go begging to get some food and he lived like this for many years and one day someone came to him and said what's under your bed he said under my bed i've never looked he said look under your bed what's under your bed let's see what's under your bed and they lift up the bed and they find that there is a box and in that box it's full of gold coins <laughs> and his whole life he was worrying about don't have enough don't have enough where will i get from he kept on he wouldn't sleep had sleepless nights without realizing that what he was looking for was right under his bed and we say what an unfortunate old man without realizing this is our state <laughs> we keep on wondering planning hoping accumulating figuring out without forgetting that what we are looking for is right here i am enough in this moment i am enough and from that enoughness will come more enoughness from incomplete will only come more incomplete but from enough will come more enough so first get in touch with this basic sense of i am enough all is well a sense of gratitude i am so thankful so thankful for all the supporting factors say this with me i grow maximum i grow maximum on the border on the border, border of support of support and challenge and challenge now check in your life go back in your life and tell me give me one or two examples where you felt you you were really growing as a person you were really growing give me some examples when did you really grow as a human being as a person my ankle accident your ankle accident that was how how many years back Five. exactly 3 years exactly 3 years ago all right give me some more examples how about you my right and left hand Oh, you everyone getting that? You people only grow when you have uh, broken bones, <laughs> ankle accident, <laughs> right and left arm fracture. You have to go one up on your dad. You have two things, two fractures there. I don't know. At separate times. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> What else? When have you grown most as a person? When I uh, went out of job in two thousand and eight or nine. Right. Left a job. That's another. Lost my job. left lost lost job left job lost left whatever something in between how about you uh whenever i had a new experience uh-huh. uh whenever i moved from one job to another job okay uh or took on a totally different role something very different from before right that's an example how about you anshu when did so you grow when i have met um people whom i have developed a liking for mm-hmm. or like minded people or uh, from whom i have got to learn is when i felt that i have grown after meeting so meeting like minded people and learning from them growing with them yes. that's one thing i feel like um i think uh, it's a similar experience like um uh when i got fired in a, in a job fired right, job. Uh, years ago or similar stories not exactly that but uh, more complex but uh, but also um for example when you're going through a difficult time mm. uh, so after that 
you actually uh, yeah, you learn from that experience. Yeah, right, exactly. So it's, it can be any anything, but uh, there have been a couple of difficult times. Difficult times as well. Yeah, and I remember that after that, actually, you feel better. Mm. In fact, sometimes we grow more in the difficult times, yeah. it almost seems, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to share? When have you grown the most in your life? When I give birth to my first son. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big one, certainly. Yeah. That has to be a big growth I up. I never grew up, you know what I mean? You never grew up. <laughs> so you, you, you grew younger and, and yeah. more childlike. Excellent. How about you? Yeah, when the first time I joined the hospital, St. Paul's Hospital, I did dentist. You're a dentist. So I earned money first time. That For the I first time. Have, yeah. So a new confidence <laughs> came inside yeah, of you. new confidence. Excellent. I can earn money. Excellent, yeah. Would you like to share? When did you grow the most? After I became a mom. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The theme for men is getting fired and breaking bonds, and for moms, it's getting becoming mom. <laughs> for ladies, it's becoming mom. <laughs> uh, how about you? Yeah, so there are uh, several times when yeah. I felt I have learned something very uh, new, which is more internalized. Mm. The recent one is I completed my first half marathon. Oh, half marathon! And uh, I never thought I would do that, uh -huh. and I picked up just money and mm. that. So that was something. Excellent. And for me, thank you for that. For me, I can think of uh, some challenges in my intimate relationships when there have been challenges and we've both seen things very differently. And that's really led us to question, you know. That's been a really powerful growth experience for me. Now, check in all of the things you said. Would you agree that there was some challenge? Like even in becoming a dentist, was there some challenge there? Yeah. But was there also some support? Yeah. Was there something supporting you? Maybe family was supporting you, maybe friends were supporting you. Whatever you were going through, was there some support and some challenge? When they're both there, that's when we grow the most. Yeah. Only support and we get lazy. And we get complacent and we don't have energy. Only challenge and we get overwhelmed and we get burnt out. But support and challenge together and we grow the most. Now remember the example earlier of the cake and how we're cutting the cake? It's the same with support and challenge. There is no such objective thing as support and challenge. It's your thinking process. So in any situation, you can decide to feel supported. In every, any situation, you can decide to challenge yourself. So the more you start feeling, I am enough, and this moment is enough, and everything is happening for me, your deeper potential start to awaken up. And we both grow at the same time, like she was saying, we're kind of more returning to our innocence. It's not even like we're growing and becoming something different. We're kind of reconnecting with who we really are. We'll do one more fun meditation. Uh, this meditation is called, say with me, toning meditation. Toning meditation. This is different from what we did last time. In this meditation, we will create a kind of a humming sound, any kind of humming sound, any kind of tone, any kind of frequency. And we'll not try to match each other. It's not about matching, it's not about doing it at the same time. It's not about starting and ending together. You will just create a toning sound, whatever humming sound or toning sound comes to you, you will repeat it. And you will make it again and again, and you can change it also if you like. And little by little, all our different sounds will start to merge together. And let's see what happens, right? So when I ring the bell, we'll start. When I ring the bell the second time, you'll become quiet. And when I ring the bell the third time, you'll open your eyes. Got it? So take a deep breath.
And I'd like you all to feel as though you've become very spacious, very empty. And you've become a clear channel. <coughs> you've become a clear channel for beautiful blessings to flow through you. Universal blessings. The highest quality vibrations. The highest quality intentions to flow through you. And I will mention a few things. I want you to allow these blessings to flow through you to those different things. It will happen naturally. Just listen to what I'm saying. So all the refugees who have come to Europe, who are going through a very hard time, they've left their families, they've left their country behind, they've lost loved ones, they're facing tremendous uncertainty about their future. All these thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in Europe and actually all around the world. I'd like us all to send blessings to them. And just be spacious, be empty. Allow these blessings to move through you. And just by thinking of them, focusing on them, the blessings are moving through you and healing this whole situation in deeper ways than we can imagine. like us to bless this home that we are in. Akash and his family have moved in here recently. So blessing their home and blessing their time here in Holland, in Amsterdam. Allow blessings to flow through you and fill this home, saturating it, filling it with blessings. Now everyone think of one person in their life who is going through a hard time, maybe illness, maybe financial pressure, maybe some emotional challenge, relationship challenge. Choose one such person and now just send blessings to this one person. Allow the blessings to move through you and go to this one person. 
stay with this one person. Think of one other person in your life who needs some good energy, needs some blessings. Could be your family member, could be your friend, could be anyone. Choose one more such person and just focus on that one person. And lastly, think of yourself. Think of yourself as outside of yourself, as though you're a different person. Imagine yourself. And I want you to send blessings to yourself, as though you're another person. Really wishing yourself peace, happiness, health, and well-being. Radiate powerful blessings to yourself. We'll all take three slow deep breaths. Second is deeper. And third is very deep. And if you want, you can wrap your hands. Nice and long. Move them over your eyes.
All right, so we've had a nice sharing. Would anyone like to say something or ask something? How was this last practice for you? Of toning and sending blessings, what was it like? I felt like uh, when you asked to give blessings, hmm. I felt a lot of waves are going out from the body. Hmm. Waves are going out, beautiful. Hmm. Anyone else? How do you feel? It feels more quiet. I mean, where at the start, uh, when we started, there are more thoughts yes. and so coming on. Yeah. Now it's like... You're feeling more settled and quiet. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Anyone else? Nobody? Mm. Just very, very peaceful. Mm. Very peaceful. Very peaceful. That strange thing happened, actually. Yeah. I mean, you're sure. I don't know why, but my eyes keep getting watery every time I close my eyes. So mm. maybe that's just a feeling of peace. Yeah, could be. The body does whatever it needs to to balance itself. Right? So whatever is happening is fine. And doctors tell us that tears come in good for the health of your eyes. Anyway. <laughs> 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 I, <laughs> I thought you're doing a good job of keeping him crying. No? <laughs> 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 Who else will share? You want to share? Yeah, when you said uh, send out blessings to all the people who are in war mm -hmm. and uh, suffering, uh, although it's not logical, I felt that somehow it is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Which, if I think from logical mind, yeah. maybe maybe not. Yeah. But somehow I felt that it yeah. will affect the situation positively. Yeah, very good. And the second thing, uh, which when you said send blessing to yourself, mm. so then you are imi imagining yourself as another person. Mm. So looking yourself as a from a third eye. Mm. So that's a good experience. Good experience. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's all say how wonderful. How wonderful. How wonderful. How wonderful. That's a nice mantra. You want to share some thoughts? Um, yeah. send out blessings to other people you just you actually think about people who are I won't say suffering but not in the best mm. position so you, you were able to do that mm. how did you feel as you did that uh, I, I don't know but you just feel different <laughs> <laughs> but did you feel pulled down thinking of them or did you feel strong inside as you were saying no them? definitely not pulled down you didn't feel pulled down no. you actually think about them and that makes me feel good because mm -hmm. you're trying to do something yeah not just avoiding the subject nice mm -hmm. anyone else would you like to share how was it mm, yes um I was sending you ask about two persons that they are in need, mm. but actually I send uh, prayers or you know in good intentions for pe for people that they don't know that they need. Oh, lovely, lovely! They don't even know that they need it. No, mm, they are in such a mental illness mm. that the society bring them in such a alert yeah. thing. They don't know. They don't even realize need. that they need it. Exactly. Mm. So they lovely. are not unhealthy. It's just too much going on here. Sure, sure, sure. Lovely. Beautiful. 
right? You want to share? Yeah, but I'm so blessed that uh, I'm so healthy. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah, lovely. So a teacher of mine, he has these 10-day meditation courses. And on the 10th day, after meditating for 9 days, he makes them all think of one person and for one hour send them loving wishes. And he says, note down the date, note down the time. And then go and ask that person what happened at this time. And when they go and ask, the people invariably say, I was going through a bad day, at this time everything changed. I was going through a bad, unpleasant state, suddenly everything changed. Or I was sitting with friends, we began talking about you. Right? And they all feel it one way or the other. So what, what, what we think is, you know, it, it can't logically possibly make sense. At some level, it actually does make sense. Because we're connected in a way that we don't always realize. Right? So there was a study done on the power of prayer. Is prayer really, does it have a benefit? So they, this was one of the largest studies ever done. 50,000 people. And half of them were control group and half of them were experimental group. And what they did was, for 25,000 people, they simply printed their names and gave a list of these big, fat list of names to different kind of healers. Healers, uh, rabbis, priests, monks, people who believe in these kind of things. They just gave them the book. These are sick people. Can you do whatever you do? You pray for them, you do mantras for them, you meditate for them, whatever. Can you do it for them? And we do it. Other 25,000, nothing was done. At the end of a few months, the doctors were all asked three simple questions. Is this patient doing as expected, worse than expected, or better than expected? So it's quite a pretty straightforward question. As expected, worse than expected, better than expected. And they collected data for 50,000 people. And what they found is that for the 25,000 who were prayed for, they were much more likely to do better than expected than the ones who were not prayed for. So for the first time, they had some kind of scientific validation that something is going on. We don't know what's going on. But there is something that happened. When you pray for someone, it actually does make some kind of difference. So the intentions we have, you have to realize, are very, very powerful. These intentions do actually make a big difference. In fact, they are the foundation. You don't realize the power of these intentions. So just to tune in, so whether it's by sitting quietly, or if you enjoy the toning, just to tone, just to create some harmonious sounds, or to ring a nice bell. <laughs> And then from that stage, just to start sending out loving intentions, beautiful intentions. In fact, don't even have to send out, just become empty and allow the highest, purest energy to move through you and go to any person who needs it. And in my experience, this is very powerful and very healing. And take any situation of your life and do it as an experiment, okay? Something in your life is not working out. Some relationship, some health issue, some financial issue, some relationship, could be any issue, anything in your life, could be even a bigger issue in, your, in, in, in the world. And think of it regularly and send out these kinds of coherent wishes. And you'll start seeing, seeing some kind of shift starts to happen. The biggest shift will be for yourself, but very often, even for the other person, there is a shift that happens. And when this happens, it gives a lot of confidence that I'm not a weak person in this world. I can make a difference. Each one of us has a capacity to make a difference. You know, the sun just radiates light. The sun does not ask the earth, what are you going to give me back? The sun just radiates its light. And over these years, a great miracle has happened on earth. 
there are plants, there are animals, there are human beings, there are all kinds of different uh, life has sprung up on earth. Because the sun never asked, what are you going to give me back? The sun just radiated loving wishes. Sun just radiated warmth. So what happens when you also start to radiate a kind of warmth, a kind of pure loving wish, just for the other person to be well, not that may you give me something as a result of that. Then a miracle starts to happen in your life. So again, attention, intention, attention, intention. Attention is awareness and intention is a high quality thought. So when we were toning, it was a kind of an at attention, we were getting present, present with the sound, present with the vibrations. And then intention, we thought of a few different people, different things, and we let that beautiful energy move. And as you get familiar with these two, just say with me, attention, attention. intention, intention. Foundation. foundation. It starts to reveal who you really are. You start to wake up from the dream of life. You start to realize, there is a body, but I'm not this body. There are feelings, but I'm not these feelings. There are <coughs> memories, but I'm not these memories. There are intentions, but I'm not these intentions. There is consciousness, but I'm not this consciousness. There are images, words and feelings, but I'm not these images, words and feelings. It's like the movie is growing, going on, but I'm that screen on which the movie is projected. So no matter what happens in the movie, the screen is unaffected. No matter what happens in this room, the space is unaffected. And we start getting in touch with that basic, essential quality of our being. And that is our foundation. I met a friend recently, she gave me the example of a pendulum. She was talking about, she, feel, she said, my, I feel my life is a pendulum. I swing from this side to the other side. I go from one extreme to the other extreme. I do this, I do this, I want to do this, but then I'm not able to stay. And she kept on talking about pendulum, pendulum. And how do I, how do I come to that center place? How do I sustain it? How do I keep myself in this position? <laughs> it's not possible. A pendulum will always swing here to there, here to there. That's just the nature of the pendulum. But there's one part of the pendulum that does not move. What's that part? The stand. Very good. The stand, or you could also say the place where the, the string yeah. is hung. Yeah. That point, that does not move. Yeah. So that's the unmoving point. And no amount of swinging affects that point. That point is totally still. So now, in our life, there are ups and downs, gain and loss, happiness and uh, sadness, and praise and blame, fame and obscurity. All kinds of ups and downs come in our life. But there is a part of us that is completely unaffected by that. The purpose of this inner journey is to discover that place where everything is okay. I am enough. And then you make that your home. When you make that your home, then the world can keep on spinning. You don't get thrown off so much. If you're on the edge of a wheel, if you're on the edge of a wheel, when the wheel spins, you'll be tremendous momentum to throw you off. But the more you come to the center, less and less momentum to throw you off. When you come right to the center, you're stable. And then you step off that center <laughs> and let the wheel keep on spinning. Anybody wants to ask something or say something? So the big question is, who are we? Who are we, yes. Hmm. What is your answer? <laughs> like you said, we are not our thoughts, we are not our feelings, yeah. we are not whatever is happening True. to us. Hmm. So that's the question I still cannot answer. Sure. Then who are we? Yeah. So, you know, in some cases, and I would say in most cases, maybe even in all cases, 
the question is actually more important than the answer. Because if I give you a cute answer right now, okay, it's this. Do you really think it will satisfy you? <laughs> Words are not going to satisfy you. Right? The question is very powerful. This is a very powerful question. Who am I? Who am I really? This is the question that can burn everything. It can burn all our misunderstandings. But you've got to keep that question bright. And not just look for an answer. Well, the answer will just make you to, okay, now I know. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> like, I'm hungry. And you describe to me what some dish tastes like. That doesn't do anything. I'm still hungry. I've got to eat the dish. <laughs> right? So in Indian spirituality, there are two directions we go with this. Please say with me. Neti, neti. So neti neti is I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. So for example, if I can see this carpet, the very fact that I can see this carpet means I am not this carpet because I can see it. I can see the carpet. I'm not the carpet. I can see this clo these clothes. So by definition, tell me. I'm not, I'm not these clothes. I can see this hand. So by definition. I can feel these feelings, so by definition. I'm not the feelings. I can notice these thoughts, so by definition. I'm not the thoughts. You see, I'm getting closer and closer. Anything that I can know, I'm not that, because it means I am knowing this. I know that I'm aware right now, conscious right now. If I know I am conscious, by definition, I am not consciousness. So then you go back and back and back, and you discover you cannot know yourself actually. Because to know yourself requires an experience and an experiencer. So say with me, I cannot know myself. I can, know myself. I can only be myself. <laughs> you can't know, it's too close. You can't know it. You can't, the thumb can't know itself. It has to touch something else or be seen by something else. The thumb can only be itself. So spirituality is this funny thing. It is teaching you how to enter a room that you're already in. Yeah. All I've been doing this evening actually is giving you instructions on how to enter a room that you're already in. <laughs> mm -hmm. And for that, I make you do all kinds of things. Okay, focus on gratitude. Okay, focus on breath. Okay, focus on feelings. Okay, focus on silence. Okay, focus on blessings. But what is it actually? It's getting you back to what you already are. It's not taking you anywhere else. <coughs> so if you're looking for a thought-based answer, a mental framework kind of answer, you will never be satisfied with that. We can, we can all keep describing this room for a thousand years, we'll still not fully describe this room. There are, there is endless, you never, you cannot, you cannot uh, describe, there's endless uh, description, never satisfies. But you can just be here. And I'm enough. So the first journey is neti, neti, neti. And the second journey is, say with me, iti, iti, iti. iti, 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 iti. Now what this means is, I am also this. So instead of saying, I am not this body, we say, I am this body. And this body is dependent on air. To, I have to breathe air. So if I am this body, I must also be that air. I must also be the water. I must also be the food, which means I must also be the soil, which must, I must also be the tree, which, must, which means if I am this body, then I am this entire universe. Because it takes a whole universe to support one body. Any aspect of the universe is missing, then this body could not be here. It takes a whole universe in immaculate balance for this body to be here. So therefore, then I am everybody. And these feelings, have you ever noticed? What do you think? Has it ever happened to you? Something very private? 
something you thought it only happened to you one day you met someone and said it happened to you as well you also feel felt that shame you also felt that regret you also felt that pain has it ever happened to you yeah what you thought was so personal turns out to be very impersonal there's a group called alcoholics anonymous where people who are struggling with addiction they meet and with great difficulty they open up and they share you know i have stolen money to buy alcohol i have hidden for my children to buy alcohol i have beaten people in my life in anger and other people not there we've also done it you've also done it <laughs> and what you thought was so personal turned out to be impersonal so iti iti i am this and i am all of this so all the shame you felt is not personal human beings and all beings have felt shame all the pride you felt everyone has felt all the peace you felt everyone has felt so i am every feeling so i am every possible body every possible feeling every possible perception every possible intention i am all of consciousness i am everything so go both these directions i am nothing and i am everything a, a friend of mine once told me that in an expert is someone who knows more and more about less and less mm. is it true at the dentist you know more and more about less and less you know you know more and more about teeth we don't know so much about teeth you know more about you can talk to us about one tooth for an hour <laughs> right because you studied that for a long time you can tell us a lot of things about teeth so you know more and more about less and less so who is the ultimate expert someone who knows everything about nothing <laughs> so who are we you will only get the true settled answer when you start to realize that i am nothing and i am everything at the same time but even that by the way is an approximation because <coughs> even that even those words cannot satisfy you you got to go in that direction you got to look in that direction what my teacher said beautifully he said when i know i am nothing there is wisdom when i know i am everything there is love and between these two this life flows when i see myself with everything there is wisdom when i see myself as oh sorry when i see myself with everything there is love when i see myself with nothing there is wisdom and between these two this life flows so in other words either see yourself with everything or as nothing in between you create separation you say me and you the moment you start saying me and you adam and eve now the problem begins adam and eve this apple that apple this belongs to me that belongs to me you should i should and then the the multiplicity once you have break it up endless there is a zen scripture which says that the great way is not difficult in fact say it with me the great way the great way is not difficult for one who has no preferences make the slightest distinction however Make the slightest distinction. Heaven and earth, Heaven and earth are, set are set infinitely apart. So these teachings you've learned today are not difficult for one who has no preferences. The moment you start having preferences, me and you, like and dislike, want and don't want, now you start creating just called endless, endless division. So come back to the source. Come back to that space. I am enough. From enough comes enough. This is enough. That is enough. From enough comes enough. When you take enough from enough, what is left? Enough. Is enough. enough. Does not deplete. Does not diminish. When a teacher answers a student's question, the teacher's knowledge does not reduce. He just gave something that he knew, but it not did not reduce. It remains full. 
Anybody else wants to say something else? Uh, I have a question. Yeah, please. Somewhere you uh, mentioned that we need to define some priority. Uh-huh. And you took an, you gave an example of, let's say, happiness mm. for the family. Mm. So I tried uh, define, I tried defining that priority uh, some time back. But then priorities are also intermingled. True. Because maybe uh, people may say you don't need uh, so much uh, resources and things. But then I say if I have to ma- make my fi- family happy, I have to give good education to the kids. I need money, which means I need to again prioritize something else. So, and that goes on and on. Yeah. So how do we uh, get away from that? Mm-hmm. I'm not able to uh, do that distinction that, okay, this is the ultimate priority. Sure. So I'm going to ask you to do an exercise when you go home today. Okay. You sit with a piece of paper. Okay. And I want you to interview yourself five minutes before your own death. Okay. So in your mind, what is your name again? Amal. Amal. So Amal, you will interview the older Amal. He's just five minutes away from death. Okay. And let's assume he has had, first of all, he's had a very unsuccessful life. Okay. So this Amal is very disappointed with his life. Mm-hmm. He's very unhappy with the decisions he made. He's got five minutes left to live. So you interview him and say, Amal, what mistakes did you make? Mm-hmm. What are the five biggest mistakes you made that made your life so unsuccessful? He'll give you some kind of answers, right? Okay. Them down. Now again, switch. And again, you're interviewing yourself five minutes before you die. But this time, you've had a very happy, fulfilled, successful, joyful life. And you can see the peace and calm on your face. There's no hesitation. There's no regret. And now again, you ask yourself, Amalji, how come you were able to have such a happy, fulfilled, successful, peaceful life? What are the five things? Very often it's the opposite of the first five, but not always. So write down the five things that led to a happy and successful life. Now those answers become your priorities. And then you make your decisions based on those priorities. Sure. Right, so this is what I, this is what I, this is the way I found, I made it work. So like when I did this, I got these five priorities. Number one, to wake up to my true nature instead of living in the dream of what other people tell me who I am, whether I'm good or bad, and someone says I'm good at this, I'm bad at this, everyone's got opinions. But who am I without all those opinions? Who am I really? Like the question you were asking. That's the first priority. Second priority, can I have authentic, meaningful, transformational relationships in my life? So wherever I go, like even right now meeting all of you, can I have an authentic open-hearted, meaningful relationship with you, as opposed to a superficial, trying to impress kind of relationship with you. Number two, relationships. Number three, can I learn timeless teachings that are beneficial for all? And can I leave behind a body of meaningful, beneficial teachings? That's number three. And number four, can I enable people to connect with each other, not instead of just learning from me, can I get them to learn from each other? Can I create com- conscious communities where people can learn and benefit from each other? Number four. And number five, can I create spaces? Like right now we just created a space, even though we just borrowed his home. But we made a space over here. And in this space, we, we had the time to slow down, we had the time to breathe, we had the time to listen, tune in. So spaces, short term, and also places. So these became my five priorities. Now my life is directed by these five. Right. And as long as I'm in tune with these five, everything falls in place. 
So instead of just taking piecemeal one or two here and there, interview your deeper self, interview the, the part of you that knows, but the part of you actually knows the answers. You know, when someone, when you ask a question to five people, why do you like one person's answer more than the other? Because actually you know the answer. <laughs> you were asking for validation. <laughs> if you really were asking the question, how could you like one more than the other? If I don't know Russian, and I ask five Russians, what is the word for bell? Can I like one answer more than the other? I can't because I don't know the word, because I don't know, I don't know which is the right word. Then why is it that when we ask a question, we like one answer more than the other? Because we actually know the answer. So you actually have the answer already. So all these exercises are just to get back in touch with yourself. So it's interesting that you say that. I want to share something here, hmm. which is, uh, so I apply something called this turbulence test. Okay, what is that? And, uh, this turbulence, and I gave a talk uh, in India in December and I mentioned about this also, which is when you're in a plane, it's easiest to simulate that situation because sometimes you need real-time simulation. So if okay. you get turbulence, then you assume that these are the last five minutes of the flight. Mm. You just make an assumption that this plane is going to crash. These are the last five minutes of your life. And at that time, what is it that comes to your mind? If you are like happy, contented, uh, then then you've led your life very nicely. But if you're not, and suddenly you think, oh, I have not done this, I have not mm -hmm. done that, I need to do this. <coughs> then I think as soon as you get off the plane, the next six months you focus on those things. Very nice, that's a good one. Yeah. Actually, I had experienced the situation real time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, let me do this. We need to revisit it. We all will, once in a while we'll get this enlightenment, but then we, we, we don't really revisit it. So you've got to revisit it. So I recommend every day taking out some time. There are five spaces in our life. Say it with me. Workspace. Work space. Family space. Family space. Leisure space. Leisure holiday space. space. My space. So workspace is the time we spend working or making money or whatever. Family space is the time spent with loved ones. Leisure space is the activities you enjoy. Holiday space is taking a break. But the most neglected is which one? Myself. <laughs> the time to just be with myself. Because we've forgotten in the value of that. It seems like it's a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. That is the foundation for every other space. Because outwardly, you can do a lot of work. You can have a great family. You can enjoy different activities. You can even go for a great holiday. But if you haven't learned to connect with this one, all of those after a while will seem like, what am I doing? I'm running this race. For whom? For what? Why am I even doing it? And that leads to depression. Because it leads to meaninglessness, purposelessness. So MySpace. Let me give you a few simple examples of MySpace. So, spending a few minutes every day focusing on gratitude. Thinking of what you're thankful for. This can be one nice way to practice MySpace. We did that today as well. Another one is, Spending a few minutes in silence with yourself. Like we did today, we, we focused on our breath, we focused on the feelings, we focused on silence, we focused on loving kindness. So spending at least five minutes with yourself, just quietly with yourself, doing nothing. That's another great one. Another good one, just to keep your body fit and healthy, do some kind of vigorous exercise, whether it's jumping jacks or Surya Namaskar or yoga or running or football or whatever it is, Get the body moving, because the body likes movement. So some kind of nice vigorous exercise, even for a few minutes every day will make a difference. Do it regularly.
Another great one is reading something inspiring. So pick up a book that inspires you and read it. Don't just read it, reflect on it. Say, how can I apply this in my life? What is the takeaway from this? What is the important lesson from this that I can really bring into my heart? And don't just think it, feel it. It becomes a part of you. And you can also write. So I just gave you five things. I said gratitude, meditation, exercise, reading, and write down in a notebook, a journal, your thoughts, your inspiration, your ideas. These are five powerful ways. There are many more, but these are just five good ones to start off with. MySpace. Don't even have to do all five. Just do any one of them. Right? Start doing one of them regularly. Start with gratitude. Do that regularly. Practice it until you feel it. Or sitting quietly with yourself. Develop your ability to connect with yourself. Read something inspiring regularly. Reflect on it. Like this, you'll start finding the root gets healthy, the my space gets healthy. All the other spaces of your life start coming in line. Start, start getting organized. And when you prioritize that, everything else takes care of itself. If you only focus on the other spaces, when you miss out on this my space, then you find that, you know, despite all your efforts, the foundation itself was weak. The house you built has got a weak foundation. All right, feeling complete? Yes. 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 Take a minute of silence. Take a nice deep breath. And say with me, how wonderful. Oh. I learned from an Australian lady uh, a way to send blessings. Just learn this with me. It's a way of sending beautiful blessings. And we'll draw it with our hands. So take your hands up like this. And slowly bring them down. And make a big heart. Now put one palm on top of the other. And you'll make an infinity symbol. Infinity symbol is a lying down, number eight. So make an infinity symbol. And second is bigger. And third is even bigger. And now say with me, Mayurma. Now what we just did was we invited pure love, pure blessings. We made a big heart out of them. And we multiplied this by infinity three times. And then we spread it outward. Mayurma means pure love or unconditional love. And we spread it out. And this is a way of sending blessing like we did earlier. Sending blessing, but you're doing it also <coughs> with your body. So if you like, you can do it three times every day. One for yourself, one for others, one for the whole world. All right, so practice with me. One for yourself, hands up. Bring it down. And wishing yourself a happy day, joyful evening, joyful life. Multiply it by infinity. And say with me. My youth. My youth.
Now, second time for everybody here, take your hand up. And bring down pure love, make a huge heart. And wishing everybody here a peaceful day, a joyful day. Lots of happiness, lots of joy. And say with me, Mayurma. And the third time for the whole world. So go higher, make an even bigger heart. <laughs> and make an infinity symbol. Lots of, very large. And we say together, Mayurma. How wonderful. <laughs> what does it mean? Mayurma? Mayurma means pure love, unconditional love, right? Limitless love. And it's just a way of sending good wishes. So instead of just thinking it, we use our body, we use our words, we use our mind. When those three things come together, it's very powerful. Right? And we're sending out loving vibrations. So teach your family also. And any time, like someone going for an exam, the whole family makes a mayurma. And they feel very confident. Okay. Or someone going for a surgery, the whole family makes a mayurma. And they feel very confident. And even for yourself, you start the day like this. Have you ever gone to the mountains and spoken loudly? What happens? Echo. Echo. There's an echo. So whatever you put out there comes back to you multiplied. If you wake up and say, oh no, one more day. <laughs> another, another Monday, oh no, I don't want to go to work. Then whole day is like, oh no, oh no, oh no. The vibration continues. If you wake up in the morning and say, may I be happy, may you be happy, may all be happy. Then throughout the day you have the echo of that. You'll be happy, I'll be happy, may all be happy. Like this, echo continues, continues, continues. So whatever you put out there comes back multiplied. Whatever you put out there with thoughts, words and actions together gets exponentially multiplied. How wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>